Welcome to the Proclaiming Artist Podcast, where we address artistic fraud syndrome. In part one of each episode, your host, that's me, Browsy, will interview a range of people who do or do not consider themselves to be artists. I ask questions like, what does an artist look like? And why are you holding yourself back from sharing your creations more freely? For part two, we will interview artists after they've created a piece and discuss their process. Before we begin, I'd like to thank all of the participants for being willing to be extremely vulnerable and open throughout this process. Welcome to the podcast, Bianca. Thank you, Brie. <laughs> so honored to be here. Glad to have you. Glad you said yes to being a part of this project. Very excited. So, will you tell me a little bit about your background and history? Yes. So, I have always been a visual artist, even from a child. I remember drawing and doodling naked ladies as like a 10-year-old. <laughs> Amazing. And my mother was actually like very impressed. So, she was like encouraging with that aspect of my creativity. But I think in high school is when I began to really feel more creative with singing in the choirs, with my art classes. I really enjoyed sketching with charcoal. And then as it evolved, when I graduated, I was like, had this travel bug, this fever, like gotta get outside. I've gotta go photograph these landscapes and I have to go experience these amazing places. And so when I turned 20 years old, I moved west from Tennessee and I began all kinds of different landscape work. So I was visiting the Tetons. I was visiting the Southern Deserts in Arizona. I was all over Utah. I was in Montana and Idaho and California and Washington and Oregon. Mm -hmm. Like literally anytime I could travel, I would be driving even on the weekends just for like an overnight trip or whatever. And so that's definitely when my love of photography began. I wanted to capture and share these places with my followers on social media because it was beautiful and it was inspiring. And then I would say I totally did a shift with my photography about four years ago. And I started taking portraits. I did the, you know, typical engagements and maternity and weddings and families and that type of thing. And I did that for a few years. It was really a good learning experience for me. But I'd say when I got divorced from my first husband, I started to take self-portraits because I was feeling like I had a lot of pent-up emotions that I needed to express. And so I started to do all these interesting conceptual like self-portraits. And that was kind of helping me heal through that huge change in my life. And so after that, I started exploring photographing women specifically who had gone through very transitional periods in their life where they were wanting to document something specific. And then just over the last few years, it's really evolved into like I concentrate in fine art portraiture with women. So really interesting how it's gone from landscape to portraiture. But I think they're kind of connected, you know, we all come from the same place. Yeah. So I love that. 
Thank you. Why did you feel called specifically to photography? I think I just see a moment and it's beautiful. And I just want to remember it. Or, you know, when you look at an image, you can come back to that moment and that space and that feeling. Images can be evocative, whether it's happy or sadness or tenderness or grief or whatever feeling you might have had while taking that photograph, you can revisit that later. Mm -hmm. And I think that is special. That's beautiful. All right. So we're going to jump into the kind of proclaiming artist portion of what do you think the term artist means? I think artist means expression. And I think think as long as you are, whatever avenue or medium that you pursue, as long as you are being expressive from within, you know, and like that passion and that love for that medium will shine through. And I think as long as you're really doing that, as long as you're really cutting down to your core, like you are an artist and like people can sense that from your specific type of work. So do you just have to be expressing to be an artist? Not necessarily. Also, you can be observing. You're right. Interesting. I've never had anyone (laughs) say that. So when I was in school, one of my professors said something really interesting. He said, a photograph is either a window or a mirror of, you know, Mm -hmm. from the artist's standpoint. So a lot of my work is like mirroring, but also a window you can capture like street photography, capturing people that you don't even know or capturing scenes, you know? So you can also be an artist, but as an observer. I like that a lot. So do you consider yourself an artist? I do. Okay. Wholeheartedly. Honestly, it's not even like scary to say. Has it always been that way? Not at all. Okay. No. Like I said, I think when I divorced and went through that transitional period, it was almost like this spiritual process for me, this awakening, this rebirthing. Mm -hmm. Like I had space and I had clarity. Like I can do this type of work and feel good about it and not feel shameful about it. And I have room to grow and it's beautiful. And I think at that point, when I started to like step into my power as a human being, I was also stepping into my power as an artist. So actually, I think it's only been the last few years that I've felt comfortable saying that. Did it come at like a certain moment? Like, did you make a conscious decision to own it or was it just kind of this gradual progression? I do think it was gradual. I was accumulating a portfolio of this specific type of work, this fine art portraiture of these nude women. And you know what? I started to get really confident in the fact like I am a creator. I am a designer. After so long and you have just these gorgeous, gorgeous images and depictions of women and their spirit, like I felt like it was an evolution. And eventually I was just comfortable with the fact like, hey, I'm an artist and mm-hmm. it's great. But I don't think there was ever like this light bulb went off. It was just gradual. All right. So why are you holding yourself back from expressing yourself more freely or sharing your creations more freely? I don't feel that I am holding myself back in any way. And I don't feel like there are underlying things yearning to come through that I do not express. When I had my faith transition, I, you know, when you're in the LDS church, those passions are suppressed. And photographing nude women was so bizarre. It was so bizarre and looked down upon. And, you know, it was hard. Like I said, from 10 years old, I was so fascinated with the form 
And I thought it was stunning and beautiful and interesting. So after my faith transition, it took quite a bit of time for me to get comfortable, to say how I feel, to firmly stand my ground and my thoughts and my beliefs and my curiosities. And so, yeah, when I did start those self-portraits, that was kind of me saying, I don't give a shit anymore. And I'm going to say and do what I feel and not feel bad or guilty. Light bulb moment. Yeah. Right. And so since then, I've just like, I felt so empowered as a woman, felt so empowered as a creator and an artist. There's nothing that's going to hold me back because of that principle that I hold myself to, like that standard. I want to be transparent. I want to live authentically. So yeah, I'm excited to say that there's nothing in my way. Fantastic. I hope that that is empowering Mm -hmm. for other people to hear because- I do think that your photography does empower me specifically. So I love that you're, it's not just about creating something that's like aesthetically pleasing. It's also about like empowering yourself and empowering the models that you're Mm -hmm. photographing and Mm -hmm. then empowering your viewers as well. 100%. Yeah. It's, there's so much power in femininity and so much power in, you know, this body that we have is a miracle and the lines and the shapes and and the way that we can literally write poems with our movement Mm. you know in a photograph like it's amazing and it should be celebrated and it should be loved and there should be nothing shameful or embarrassing about it okay I do have another question you're talking about how you feel like photography can be a window and a mirror Mm-hmm. And that what you typically photograph tends to be a mirror. When you view other people's artwork, what do you feel like you're attracted to or what do you feel like you're inspired by and why? Rawness. The rawness of a photograph or a painting. Like when you can physically feel an emotion by by viewing something. Like awe. You know, that awe moment. That is what attracts me is beauty. Would you say that all artwork is beautiful? I, um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, shit. So what was the hesitation about? I don't know. I just don't want to offend anybody. Well, that's okay. But no. Well, that's all subjective. Yeah. You think it's good. Yes. Subjective, for sure. Like, there are some things that just, like, I don't get. Maybe I'm not studying it long enough or thinking about it hard enough, but there's just things that I don't understand or or things that don't seem to have a point or a purpose. I don't know. But look at me being so subjective, right? Like, one of the most beautiful paintings I've ever seen is just this blue, this blue canvas, completely blue. Is it Yves Klein? Yes. Love. God. His, like, monochromatic blues. Yeah. Stunning. And it's like, what is the point? But also, like, the point is everything. Right. So, yeah, here I am being subjective, but one of my favorites is just a blue canvas. Yeah. Some of his are my favorites as well, but I'll give you a little art historical context. (laughs) Please. The full slabs of color, similar to like Rothko or Barnett, Mm -hmm. they do these massive single monochromatic colors or blocks of color. Mm -hmm. And they're meant to be viewed at a point that it's going to consume your whole vision. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. creates like an entire immersive experience. Like you are completely immersed in blue. 
You don't see anything else. That's it. And so I disagree with you in some sense that some of the things that I see that I don't get or I don't feel like have a purpose or are not maybe as easily addressed or understood. Sure. I think that those also have a place. And I also am sometimes so drawn to those kinds of things because they are making me question like, what is art? Mm. And who said this was good enough to be in a gallery or a museum? Like, what is that? Why is that here? Or it's just so simple or, yeah, you know, anyone could do that. I, that is something that I hear so frequently that I'm like, but did you do it? Did mm. you think of that? Mm-hmm. Like, it might be conceptual. It might be more of like totally. an idea and presented in this way. But I do think that not all art is beautiful in the sense that not all art is meant to be aesthetically pleasing. Sometimes mm. it's supposed to evoke sadness and pain and sorrow and just a whole range of emotions or even no emotions and it's just blank. Yeah. But then again, every person viewing it is going to have a completely different experience. Like so. me viewing a, a photograph of a Home Depot bucket. Like what? That was so specific. Was that? <laughs> I know. I know. Was that? A real thing is... It really was. It was a photograph of a Home Depot bucket in a parking lot. And it just... I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Maybe that you don't have to. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it just like caught that person's eye at that time. Yeah, every mind is so different. And what people are attracted to or what people yeah. find awe in is different. Yeah. Well, you've flown through the first couple questions. Okay. Do you want to add anything else or do you have any other thoughts on like your journey as proclaiming the term artist for yourself or maybe some stereotypes around what we see or think of as someone being an artist? I feel like I do have thoughts about art. I feel like art can be a sense of like a form of healing, especially for me, getting those thoughts and those emotions out on paper or, or whatever you call it, like mm-hmm. on, a, on an image, it's healing. And seeing other people, like seeing a photograph of a man sitting at the edge of his bed, like devastated for whatever reason, depressed or sad or suicidal even, like things like that you can take a piece of and like relate it to your own story. Like I've been there, mm-hmm. I've been sad, I've been at rock bottom before and Seeing that is like a form of recognition you're healing. Mm. And I think just being creative in general, creating, the act of creation is healing. Mm -hmm. I wrote a letter to myself when I was 24. And I remember one of the things that I said in in that letter was, through my art, I hope people understand themselves. I got chills. I got chills too. When I reread that letter, I'm like, damn, I was kind of poetic and smart. (laughs) sometimes I am a writer as well well so I guess we should touch on that too you're not just a photographer you are very into music and writing and any other things or maybe just explain that so it's not in my voice no yeah I definitely I consider myself a musician I consider myself a writer actively doing both of those things I would start writing poems like years ago. Just I have a collection of poems. And when I met 
Ryan. He had his my husband, my second husband. Okay, hopefully my you know my forever person. He's amazing, you guys. We love um, Ryan. We love Ryan so much, and I'm so grateful for him because he he was a huge part of me opening up like mm. blooming. And so anyway, when I met Ryan, he had all this musical background mm-hmm. and he could play any instrument. He had albums out and mm-hmm. he would like write songs and he could write an opera, which in fact he has written an opera before. Deep a love. rock opera. A rock opera. And so like immediately from day one, he's like, let's sing together. And he started playing Simon and Garfunkel. Kathy's song and I knew every word and I think it was really like impressive to him you know huh. we just bonded in that moment huh. over Simon and Garfunkel Cute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway and so like time goes by and we just are spending all this time together and he's playing guitar and I hear a tune and I like I just write lyrics I, I start writing a poem along to his music and this kind of bond formed between us this working relationship happened and we we write music together so yes I consider myself a musician because you know I'm writing music and I'm expressing myself through that and it's medicine to me and I love to sing I I have I have sung my whole life and and when we started to date like he gave me courage to to write music and he made me feel safe mm-hmm. and appreciated. I don't know. He's just always been so encouraging. And yeah, like I'm a musician now. And I didn't, oh, I wasn't always that way because I was too scared or yeah. I didn't think I was good enough or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. I guess it was because I didn't know how. I didn't have somebody there who could play the piano and can play the guitar and just pick it up and, mm-hmm. you know, play any tune. I don't know how to play an instrument. I, I know the very basics of piano, but mostly what I contribute are lyrics mm-hmm. and my voice. And so, yeah, I think I just like, I didn't play guitar and I couldn't do it alone. I need my co-pilot. <laughs> I need him there. I think once we, like you start to get into the realm of collaboration, that becomes a oh, whole like interesting thing and Kathleen actually said this and I hadn't thought about it before but she's talking about her relationship with Danielle and how as her brothers as kids they he started playing music and then she felt this competition of like oh well like I'm gonna learn how to play music too like even better than you yeah (laughs) that's something rivalry (laughs) she was talking about how within playing music you can't be competing you have to be working together like Mm -hmm. it has to be this like joint communal understanding or it's not gonna work and it's not gonna blend and it's gonna sound disjointed and like Mm -hmm. I'd never really thought of it in that way before that like you're not competing with each other you're and I feel like she used like a more eloquent word but I loved that because it is so much of this like you're collaborating like you are joining two things together and like Mm. it like that is and music has so many elements i mean flutes and strings and piano and voices and lyrics and harmonies and fluidity you know there's just so much that can go into one song so many different people collaborating or or you know one singer songwriter one guitar it's just as magical but even it's just special when people can come together 
over music. So for part two, the creative collaborative consultation portion, where I've kind of asked you to think about a potential project that you'd like to work on for the next six weeks before the exhibition at the Sundance Art Gallery. Right. So let's talk about what you've been thinking about doing, what you would like to do. Well, I've been working for the last year and a half on a project called The Vulnerable Male. It's going to be, a. I want to have a gallery as well, mm -hmm. like sometime in late spring or summer. But I feel like since this is an ongoing project for me, it, it could work for you mm -hmm. as well and what your needs are right now. So yeah, that's what I plan to be showcasing. So where did that concept of the vulnerable male come from or what does that entail? Mm -hmm. I would just like to break the stigma that men can't be emotional creatures. Just as much as women, you know, men need to have that space to hold tenderness mm -hmm. in their hearts. Mm -hmm. And so I think like just in Western civilization, modern society, it's been ingrained to tough it out, don't cry, be a man. And all these other kinds of social stigmas that are just inappropriate. And it is aggravating these pent-up energies, these pent-up grievances that haven't been dealt with or faced. And, you know, that leads to problems like alcoholism. That leads to problems like depression or aggressiveness. And I think it's important that men cry, that men weep and wail openly and safely mm -hmm. and that they feel comfortable to do that because it's natural. You know, if you are not grieving for something, you're not loving and honoring that thing um, or that part of yourself. So yeah, basically the project is just going to showcase men being open and raw and, you know, like physically crying. And I think that by doing, by showing this kind of artwork, like maybe somebody out there who needs to see it will be like, oh, I can do this too. And I can feel safe and not judged. Yeah, I love it. It's interesting because to me, I think that sharing your art is extremely vulnerable mm -hmm. because it is a mirror, whether or not it's photography or not. I think that creating art is expressing an extension of yourself and an yes. extension of your soul. Yes. And it's very scary to share because I think that we we, it's hard to not take personal when people criticize it mm -hmm. because it's hard to not feel like they're criticizing you personally. So I really, really love the fact that you're addressing like problem that you feel passionate about. You're expressing yourself in a vulnerable way and you're allowing other people to express themselves mm -hmm. in a vulnerable way um, to hopefully empower other people to feel vulnerable or to show that it's okay and that it's acceptable and you can still be loved and accepted and you can still be a man right you are still masculine mm -hmm. and even though you are giving into that feminine more tender energy mm -hmm. that is love and i don't think it can be found any other way than other than having your heart burst wide open and just you know at the core like this is me and i am vulnerable mm -hmm. and that is good yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been working on this project? And then what part of this project are you going to be completing? Or do you have specific people that you'll be photographing for this specific show? For you? Um, well, it's 
It's for you. For you and for me (laughs) and for everybody else. Yeah, I have several men who have, like I've already photographed three. Um, I would like to do five more. Mm -hmm. But for this project, I I think I might do Ryan. I might photograph my husband for this exhibit for you specifically. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. All right. So time frame wise, well, do you have the resources that you need to be able to finish this project? Yes. Okay. And you do understand that it will need to be like framed? Yes. Okay. So time frame wise, the part three of this podcast will meet after you're done with the project and we'll talk about the process and your experience and any mental or emotional blocks that you addressed or kind of how the project may have changed from your original concept just because of that's the nature of an artistic process. So let's do it. Okay. And then I'm probably, I'll check in like at the two week mark. I'll just shoot you a text and say like, Hey, how's it going? Is this still like a realistic time frame? Do I need to come hold your hand? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do this. Don't you worry. I don't doubt it, but I think that having someone check in and being like, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Okay, any other thoughts? I don't think so. I think that's pretty well wrapped up. All right. Well, Bianca, thanks for being willing to be on the podcast and be a part of the project. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you. Love you. We're signing off. We're over now. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Proclaiming Artist podcast. Let me know if anything resonated with you or inspired you. You can check us out on Instagram at Proclaiming Artist. Like and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review if you'd like. Oh, and just a quick reminder, you are an artist. <laughs>